I just want to continue in, in the spirit of, of prayer. We're singing that song, uh, Heaven Break Out. Lord, would we experience something of that today? Heaven breaking out. Break our walls down. Every preconceived idea we have about you and about church and how things are going to happen here today. Lord, break down our walls of expectation, of religiosity. Lord, that's so that you can break in. Heaven break out in our midst today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, so really, 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 really excited to preach to people today. <laughs> For two years, I mean, whether you're leading or preaching, I mean, I don't preach that much, but um, it's really difficult to connect with people. Like, God puts something in your heart, and you want to share, and you're like, do you know what? Yes, you know, amen, and you're looking to connect with someone, and you just see no expressions. You just see <laughs> expressionless faces. So th thanks to all of you who've been raising their eyebrows, like, significantly in those moments where you were in, a, in an agreement, really, really helpful. Abe and Priscilla, I think, do that the best. Where are they? I was like, yeah, Priscilla would be like this. Amen, amen. I got an amen because I see Priscilla's head and her eyes like getting all happy. Anyway, yeah, just what, oh, yeah, it's really, really, really amazing to just experience the freedom that we are here. And maybe experience not just the constraints of COVID coming out, but experience the freedom we have in Christ today. And uh, that's what I want to teach about today. It's kind of a teachy, uh, a teachy sermon, a um, lot, of, lot of scripture. Um, titled the message called The Way to the Throne, and um, just got to unpack uh, using a lot of scripture to kind of um, get us to understand what Jesus has done for us and the kind of relationship that he has invited us into. So, um, yeah, one of Jesus' dying words, so I wouldn't say dying words, the words that he, his last words, before he went back to heaven, he said to Peter, he said, if you love me, feed my lambs. And so... There's a lot of feeding going on today. We have candy for the kids, and now we've got something for all of us, not just the adults. The kids are going to feed on this, this word as well. Um, so really just want to start off talking about that there is, there is much more to Christian living than, than I believe we are experiencing. There's much more to the relationship with the Father and with the Son that we are currently experiencing. And those who've been saved a long time, you know, you've been born again and uh, you've been baptized and maybe speaking in tongues or prophesied. And you think, like, what's, is that all there is? Is there more? Is there more to this life? Is there more to Christianity than I'm experiencing? And sometimes we get to that place in our walk where we get a bit bored. You know, you come and you pray and you want to encounter God. You want to see his glory. And it's just like, is anyone out there? You know? And, and I believe he really wants, I feel his hand reached out to us, bringing us and inviting us into more, bringing us into the relationship that he has with the Father. And, um, and I think much of Christian teaching today is, is really centered around salvation. And I'm not knocking salvation or making light of evangelism or any of those things. Um, but often we go in these cycles of, you know, it's, it's sin, it's, it's, it's repentance, and like change your behavior and then repeat. And we're in this cycle of sin and experiencing forgiveness and salvation. And, you know, we go into that, that cycle. But there was, a, there was an original intent and purpose that God had for mankind. 
And not that we don't need salvation. I mean, we would be dead without salvation. But our message mustn't be just resting on salvation and getting people saved. There's, there is more to uh, the story that God wants to have us uh, understand and experience. I don't even saying a story is a bit light, but there's more he wants us to know about the original intent he had for mankind. Salvation was the restart. We had to get through the cross to get back to his original intent. Um, so before the fall, God's original intent and purpose was for man to be filled with Christ. So there were, there were two trees in the garden. There was the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the other tree, the tree, of, the tree of life, which is Jesus. So we were meant to eat of that tree. We were meant to be partakers of Christ. We were meant to be filled with Christ from the beginning. That was God's original intent. And if you read in um, Ephesians 1, I don't have the scripture. I just kind of, the Lord showed it this morning. He said, he chose us to be in him before the foundation of the world. So before he created mankind, before he created physical world, he created us to be in Christ. That was his original intent and purpose for us to be in him. And the cross was the way to get us back to that place. And the human condition will never be satisfied outside of the original intent of God. So it's like... If you're not born again, you have this giant God-sized vacuum that only he can fill. There's an emptiness in every man, and anybody who's speaking to an unbeliever can always speak to that very point because there is a lack of peace, and there is a void, and there's an emptiness that every human being experiences if they don't know the Lord. And when, he, when you're born again and he fills that void, there's actually <laughs> there's another void, and that's to know more of him. And I think all of this experience, there's a, there's a seed that's been planted. It's like, oh, thank goodness, now I'm, you know, I'm free. Uh, I'm going to live for eternity with him. But there's, some, there's something more. There's something more that God wants us to know and experience. And I wonder if we could just start off with um, Ephesians 1, verse 9 and 10. So in the beginning of the scripture, he's talking about by the grace of God. He was making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. So by the grace, he's making known to, this, to us this mystery about what his will is according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So his purpose is for us to be in Christ. He's going to take... Everything that's in heaven and everything that we're experiencing on this earth, and he's going to unite them in Jesus. I mean, I can't even imagine what that looks like. But he is, his purpose, his eternal purpose, is to unite us in him and everything in heaven and everything in this world into the Son. He chose us to be in him before the foundation of the world. So even if you look at and unpack Ephesians, it says 27 times in the book of Ephesians. It's referencing being in Christ or in Him. So there is a significance that Paul is, is making around this. And um, before I go further, I just want to go back to um, something that happened a few weeks ago. Um, we were having a service. It was a combined service at Edgemead. Where is, where is Devet? Is he here? Long white beard. I don't see him today. Okay. So he, he was preaching that day, and... 
The worship was, there was something significant about the name of Jesus. There was, there was something on it. Um, and we were singing songs like um, the Hillsong song, what does it say? Um, oh, beautiful name. Oh, what a beautiful name it is. And that other song, I speak Jesus, his name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. And it was like, there was something God wanted us to know about the name of Jesus. And there was a weightiness on it. And I, and I felt, you know, like all of heaven stands behind the name of Jesus. All the power of heaven stands behind that name. We were recently praying for somebody and we were dealing with a spirit of, of fear and spirit of death. And we had to renounce that thing. And there was only one name we could renounce that spirit with. Was it wasn't Buddha or Muhammad or Krishna or anyone, or Bill Gates. There was no other name, no important person. There was no other name that that spirit would be able to be disarmed by except the name of Jesus. And, um, and so I felt like at the end of that service, there was, there was something more that God wanted to review. I felt like there was a grace on us to ask something of the Lord in the name of Jesus. And he would, he would grant it to us. That's just, I, I was like, there was, sometimes in a meeting, you can't fit in everything that's going on. I mean, you guys are really gracious to Werner, where is he today? But sometimes you get like 10 prophetic words and 10 scriptures and you, there's worship going on. And you're, <laughs> you know, and there's so much thing that, so many things that God reveals in a service. And that's a beautiful culture that we have in Josh Jen. You guys have the freedom to come and contribute, bring a song, bring a word. Uh, but it's hard to discern everything that's going on. And, and, and I think there was a lot going on in that meeting. It was hard to fit in everything. But it, I left feeling like I, he wanted us as a congregation to ask something in the name of Jesus. And he was going to, to grant it for us. And so that week, um, I was just really pondering all the scriptures that talk about asking for things in his name. And um, maybe you can pull up. The first one, I think it's John 14. And this is where I got, I got stuck on the first one. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. He didn't say, whatever you ask with my name. He didn't say, if you ask for anything and you just use the name of Jesus after it, you know, he's going he's gonna to go do it for you. He says, anything you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So he's basically saying to us, anything you, you ask in Jesus, in my name, anything you ask, when you are in Christ, you can better believe that the prayer is going to be answered. Because you're not asking out of your will, you're not asking out of your own need or, or want or selfish desire. You are aligned with him in one heart and one mind and one spirit. And that thing, he's going to go to the Father, and he will see it through. Amen. You know, we often use the name of Jesus so loosely to get stuff. I mean, I'm like the perfect candidate for blowing it and missing the mark in that regard. Um, we used to live in Belleville in Boston, and then we wanted to move this side, because it's holier this side. Huh? What? It's not a joke, it's a confession of my stupidity, really. So, 
So um, we saw this house in Eversdal, and it had like two-story and a nice kitchen. There's a little view of the mountain up there. And we're like, babe, we've got to have this house. This house is ours. And we're really excited for this house. And of course, we didn't have all the money they wanted for this house. But I said to the agent, I said, you know, we're going to put in an offer. It's a bit of an insult, but, you know, we're just going to trust God. She's like, yeah. She was also a believer. She's like, you know, you never know. So we put in the offer, a few hundred thousand less than what they were asking. And, uh, and that night, I went, I went there at 11 o'clock at night. And I, and I grabbed hold of that signboard. And I said, Lord, we just thank you for this house. Thank you, I just claim this house in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. We know this is going to be our home. Lord, I just see it. And I just, Lord, I thank you for it. And in Jesus' name, Lord, may they accept that offer. Amen. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> Big faith. That was a lot of Christian teaching. We, I grew up in that kind of faith movement. Name it, claim it. You know, you got it. It's like, you know, God is just here for you. So you can get your stuff. And um, I was quite disillusioned after that because they countered offer ridiculously and then they took the house off the market. I was like, but, but I asked in his name. I said, anything, anything. How about the house? I mean, it was like there's good schools there. There's good reason. It wasn't entirely selfish. Anyway, we didn't get it. I wasn't in Christ. I was in myself and my own wants. But you may say, John, you know, sometimes the disciples, they, they prayed using the name of Jesus, and, and God came through for them. So uh, in Acts 3, we know, I love the story where, where Peter and John are on the way to Gate Beautiful. And, and on the way to the temple, there's this lame man, and he's asking for money. And what's the first thing they do when they see this man? They said, look at me. Look at us. Look at us. And he says, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. So they use the name of Jesus. But there's a difference here. They were walking in the fullness of the Lord's authority. They were in the spirit. They were in him. Whoever here, when someone said, will you pray for me? I'm feeling sick. And you say, look at me, because I've got the power. Look at me. You'd be like, you are so arrogant. Yeah, but that's. He's basically saying, you're looking at Jesus, so look at me. Andre, your shoulder, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> uh, wrong shoulder. I was protecting this one from the future, future accidents. Is it the other shoulder? What was that one? Is he messing with me? No, so I, I, I mean, we would, we would never say, we would never pray for somebody like that. That's, that's the boldness and authority of, of being in Christ. And he's given us that authority. And sometimes we don't realize we have it. You know, sometimes we think we just move stuff into the future. You know, that's for one day when I get to heaven, you know, God will give us that authority. No, there are things we're meant to walk in and experience now. Amen? Um, yeah, so, like I said, after reading um, all these scriptures about asking in the name of Jesus and all this stuff, so I went to the Lord. I said, well, what do, you want us, what do you want us to ask you? What do you want us, what do you want Durbanville to ask you? And he clearly said to me, he said, ask me for the way to the Father. And there, there are many things that we could ask him. Some, maybe some of us are tired of renting. Maybe they want a house. Maybe there's, there's sickness. There's many things we could ask. But God, 
He said that. Ask me for the way to the Father. Because he wants to reveal something about the Father we're not experiencing in this, in this time. We pull up John 14. So he's given us an invitation to know the Father in a more intimate and a more significant way. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. He goes and prepares a place for us. And sometimes this is not just having the blood of Christ, you know, forgive you so that you can go to heaven. He's preparing a place for you where he is with the Father. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And this may sound elementary. Oh, Jesus, Jesus is the way. But he's not just offering a, a... a map or a pattern or something. He's offering himself, and he wants us to discover himself in any more significant way. And we know that scripture, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, meaning he's the way. There's no other way of salvation. There's no other way to know God. Of all the nationalities, of all the religions in the world, there was no other nation other than Israel that had a way of salvation. There's no other way to experience salvation except through um, you know, Judaism and Christianity. They had a message about a need to be saved, a need to be forgiven. He is the truth. The truth is not just some teaching. The truth is a person. The law, the commandments came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the life. There is no other life that can sustain you except him. Just like we need food and water and shelter, okay, to have life, to survive. He wants to be that life. He says he wants us to take part of him, the tree of life. We meant to take part of him, that we can experience his life. Just like as much as we need food, water, and shelter, he wants us to need Jesus and take part of him. And he goes on to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. For if you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on... You do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Next slide. Jesus said to him, I've been with you so long, and you still do not know me. They're saying, they said, just show us the Father. We want to see this guy. We've heard about him for th- hundreds of years, a few thousand years. Show us this, this Father we've always heard about. We want to, we want to see him. And he's saying, guys, forget about that. You know me. You know me. If, if you know me, you know the Father, and it is enough. Knowing me is so much better than, than seeing. He said, Philip, who has ever seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? He's like, I'm it, guys. So the Lord is wanting to mature our relationship with him and the Father on another level. John 16 He says, I've, seen, I've said these things to you in figures of speech. 
But the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. He says, in that day you will ask in my name. Now this is the confusing part. He says, I do not say to you, I will ask the Father on your behalf. But, you know, 17 times he said, ask in my name, and I will go to the Father, and I will do it. Anything you ask in my name, I will do it. And now he's saying, but there's a time coming where I, do not, I won't need to do that. He says, for the Father himself loves you, and because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So he's talking about there's a time coming where there's a maturity and there's a oneness with Jesus that you don't need him to bring you to the Father. You are there. When you're in him, you're with the Father and the Son. Jesus has prepared a place for you in him. So he wants to take us to a, a place of maturity. Amen? Like I said before, there's 27 times in Ephesians. He's talking about being in Christ or in him. That's where he's leading us to. So if, if we want to talk further about the kind of relationship Jesus has with the Father, because he wants to bring us into the relationship that he is having with the Father, the same quality of relationship he is having with the Father. You first have to look at um, the priesthood. So in the Old Testament, there was an old temple, there was an old tabernacle. And out of that tabernacle, was made of, that tent was made of animal skins. And so there's a lot of symbolism in that because, because it's under the blood is the presence of God. And blood had to be shed. Those sacrifices had to be made to get those animal skins. And so we have to go through Christ to get to that place. And this, this temple and this tent that was in the Old Testament was just a symbol. It was just a type and shadow of the heavenly. So there is a secret place and there is a holy place in heaven where God is on the throne. And only one man could enter into that holy place, the temple that was on earth. And so only one man could enter into that holy place in heaven, which is Christ. You cannot go before the throne of God in your flesh. You will simply die because you're in flesh. You need to be in Christ. Only Something of the same nature of God could approach the throne, and that is Christ. We need to be seated in him before we go to the Father in that way. So Jesus is calling us to the same quality of relationship we have with the Father. He didn't call us to have a lower or inferior relationship. We think like we got, you know, you're up there and we down here and we're just dealing with stuff on this earth. And it's rough. He's saying no. And it may sound idealistic, but it's actually scriptural. Scriptural. Can we pull up John um, 17, please? Probably one of the best chapters in the Bible for me. Um, it just says so much about this relationship between the Father and the Son and the Lord's heart. He says, he says sanctify. He's crying out to God. He's, he's, he's run his race. He's finished his ministry on earth, and he's communing with the Father, and he's crying out to the Father. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may be also sanctified in the truth. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you are, Father, in me and I in you. A lot of times this scripture is used in the context of us being unified in one, with one another. Um, 
And I may, even, just to the other elders, you guys can rebuke me or correct me afterwards. Kevin's distracted. He's dealing with kids outside. <laughs> no. I've even heard Andrew use this scripture in the context of it's, it's our unity and our fellowship that will show the unbelieving world that God is true. And there is some truth to that. But this scripture is specifically talking about us having oneness with the Father and the Son, not necessarily us having oneness with each other. He says, so just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, not that they also may be in each other, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you are me, that they may become perfectly one so the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, that desi- Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I've made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. There's a living relationship he's explaining here, that the love with which you have loved me with may be in them, and I in them. So oneness with God will produce a greater fruit and unity than human effort trying to have fellowship and be in unity with one another. So it's, you know, it's, not that it's like the cart's before the horse, in a sense. It's like often we talk about <clears throat> the book of Acts, um, 242, it's preached significantly. But Acts 242 is a result. It's not a recipe. It's a result of this kind of oneness. That kind of oneness will produce love and unconditional love with your brother and sister, like human effort cannot do. The way, Jesus said, ask and I'll show you the way to the Father. You know, the early church um, Christians were not called Christians. They were called the believers or the people of the way. Um, three times in the book of Acts, it refers to Christians being as the people of the way in Acts 9 and, and 19. I'm not going to go there. You pull up the next scripture. scripture. Hebrews 10. It talks about the living way. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, he is our high priest now, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. If, if you are so conscious of your sin and falling short, you cannot enter into Christ before the Father. You have to come believing that the blood was enough for you and come with that confidence. You know, that scripture, I think it's in Hebrews 4, it says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Someone said it in the prayer meeting, I think it was Peter. Come boldly to the throne of grace to take mercy in a time of need. So that sounds like a once-off, like just when you need mercy, come to the throne of grace. No, he wants you to, to go there and live there and, and know that you're accepted there through the Son. There is a secret place it talks about in, in Exodus. He said to Moses, he says, there, on the mercy seat between the cherubim, there I will speak intimately with you. There I will meet with you. And that is the place that is in heaven for us. 
Samuel spoke to that from that place, from that holy place. He, he dwelled next to the presence of God. And he was a normal man just like you and us, but every time he prophesied, it came to pass. Nothing fell to the floor because he heard the word from the throne of God. How many times have I prayed or you prayed and we're just shooting blanks and stuff doesn't happen and you prophesy healing over someone and they're still sick or, you know? We need to be having the words spoken from him, not, not mixed with our own soul and our own desire. And I believe God wants to raise us up to be Samuels. That's why our lead elder's surname is Samuel. <laughs> he wasn't going to be here today, so I'm glad he's here. Yeah. I just want to uh, draw to a close here now. Maybe the band could come up. That would be, that'd be awesome. So the way to God is not a, it's not a map or a pattern that we are to follow. Jesus is going to be the way. If we, had a, if we had a map or a pattern to follow, there was no need for a relationship. And God is all about relationship. Amen? He wants us to know his Father and experience his Father like he does. Maybe we can just all stand at this time and just have a, just a moment of prayer and also just respond to this invitation that he's called us into.